0: It's the first time we figured out how to create true property that you can take possession
1: of with full custodial, full
0: custodial rights.
1: What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Talking in Bits, where we walk you through Bitcoin bit by bit so we can provide you with the information you need to succeed and persist. Back with episode 59. Got my really good friend Stax here from Base 58. What's going on, man? Everything's
2: going well, man. Appreciate you for having me.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate you joining me. So when I was out there in Austin uh, last week, uh, I was able to not only get introduced to you, but get introduced to all the cool things you got going on in, in the community and then the, uh, uh, the ecosystem, as I like to call it. But uh, before we get into everything Base58 is doing and, and everything that you're doing, please let the listeners know a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background so they can get to know you. All
2: good. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm going by Stack. I'm short for Stackamoto. I, um, you know, I'm just a Bitcoiner man. I uh, just believe in in the promise of Bitcoin, and you know, I just kind of want to materialize a world that you know I, I want to live in, right? And, and and you know, Bitcoin is is a tool to help do that in my in my view. So that you know, largely that that's kind of why I'm here. And and um, I would say like that those are my credentials. It is you know, just the Bitcoiner that, that wants to wants to help.
1: Yeah, now I, I'm always curious about everybody's Bitcoin journey. So, what was yours? How'd you get introduced to Bitcoin? Did somebody put you on? Did you find it on your own?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I would say that um, my memory might be a little on it. I would say like probably back in 2012 or so. I might have heard about it like it, it, when I was in college, right? And it's kind of one of those things where you know they say you need multiple touch points. So like my first touch point was probably around then, right? And um, never looked into it. And then I ended up graduating college and uh, I ended up teaching English in China for a while. Like I took a I took a gap year between graduating and starting my um, my salary career at that point in time. And I went to China and I just kinda had a lot of free time. I'd be sitting in my room, you know, just chilling, smoking weed and uh, something, you know, I don't know what made me look up Bitcoin, but I ended look up looking at the white paper and, and then pretty much from from that point, like with the white paper, it kind of just you know, I got the mental virus and it's just grown and grown and grown since then. So I, um, I would say that, that, yeah, I can't, I can't put my finger on exactly on who I heard it from probably first, but, but like when I really started taking it seriously was about three years later, give or take. And, and, um, it was, it was a solo journey at the time. I was just like, you know, like I said, on the internet, um, and, you know, just in the middle of China with, with, you know, nothing else to do and like some, some days. So. Um, that, that kind of brought me to it and and I don't know what about the white paper well the white paper is is dope right like yeah. the, is is you know very um, maybe like for a better word noble or or you know maybe even critical you could say but i um by by the time I read the white paper, I kind of already hit, was like a little skeptical of, of just of government writ large so you know just a money this that's outside of government control would kind of just clicked for me and and it took a while for me to understand the, um, you know, the technical underpinnings of Bitcoin and, and how Bitcoin is able as a system to persist and, and actually work. But, um, I definitely was, was intrigued after I took the time to read the white paper.
1: Yeah. I mean, I got a lot from just that response there, but I got two that stuck out to me. How was China and how was the weed in China?
2: <laughs> so man, China was awesome. Like I I, um, I took Chinese for a year in high school and two years in college, so okay. I had, you know, I had um, some conversational Chinese. I, you know, I can, I can like explain why I was there, kind of get around a little bit. Um, <laughs> things that weren't so easy for me, I, I would need a friend for. It was when I went to the bank, right? If I, if it was dealing with money, I, you know, I didn't feel so comfortable talking about it at the bank, so I had to get a friend. And then like going to the grocery store was kind of hard because if I had to rank my ability, I would say speaking, listening um, reading and then writing in that order. Yeah. So like whenever I went to the grocery store, it was hard because it was a lot more characters and I, I knew what to read. So like, I, um, I would eat out mostly. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, weed in China was dirt. Like, it was, it was, like, <laughs> like to be honest with you in, in China, they still are pretty, um, strict about drugs, you know, okay. probably just from, um, largely from like the opium, the opium um, wars and everything that went on, like historically there. But at the time, um, one of my friends I had met out there was an American dude from um, from uh, Ohio originally—and he has a clothing line that's um, kind of like pretty big out there. And the city that I was in was um, where his factory was. So he had a friend that also that was like American Chinese and was in China. China, um, you know, just doing his thing for whatever reason, and. His friend got weed mailed in, and by the time like my friend got it and it got to me, like it was pretty old. And but you know it, it still smoked. It was all good. You know, know yeah, yeah. Um, got the job done. But it, it wasn't anything to bat your eyes about.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet. That sounds like some Reggie Miller for sure. um yeah. So so now I mean I don't know if you've continued to follow China sense or whatever. Like is it as bad as you hear in the news when it comes to like the CPP and all that stuff? Or is that just more like FUD for the most part? What's your opinion on that?
2: Um, I would I would probably say like I can't really speak to to all that. Like I didn't really have a bad experience with the government outside of the fact like I ended up um, losing my visa. But um, and I, I can explain that. But um I would say it's probably similar to like, you know, people outside the US that never been to the US and and you know, know of the U.S. because of U.S. government, right? Right. Where I'm sure, I'm sure as a Chinese citizen, there's certain, there's certain things that, um, you know, I might feel a little differently about, you know, living, living in China versus being a foreigner. Yeah. But I didn't really had any, any particular moments where I was like, I'm in a, I'm in a, you know, restrictive country. Other than the fact that, um, (laughs) I don't remember if it was in October or November, but, at the time I was there, it was like the weather um, was probably when I first got there, probably like in the in the 60s or so, and, and I got there around September, and shortly after, it started getting cold, but you couldn't turn on the heat until 8, it was specified, like, they, oh, they wouldn't, like it was not allowed, but like, that was probably the most like, maybe a or, or like, uh, I like guess in your face restriction that, that I felt that... I, I dealt with when I was out there, but everything else, like I would say, largely it's just like you know, I just deal with people, and you know, people are people, right? Like the culture is different. And that was a little bit of a, of a um, – won't say a shock so much for me because um, I have traveled before, and, I, and I'm pretty open minded about about you know just when I go somewhere, um, trying to trying to you know get a feel for the culture. But I would say you know. After you kind of just got you know, the cultural differences, kind of just understood, you know, the the general day flow. I, I would say it's kind of just like you know living anywhere else, like that, or, or visiting anywhere else I've been. I was just I would say, like I, I was there for for five months and never really had an experience um, that I, I kind of felt like, you know, this is this is like a repressive regime type yeah. situation. <laughs> but it might have also gotten worse since then, right? Like you know, right. so I I um. And, and a lot of times, it's not the things you know; it's the things you don't know to get you right. Yeah. So <laughs> who's, who's to say, um, you know, just what was going on behind the scenes, you know, in the shadows? But from what I can see, I um, I enjoyed my time there, and and, yeah. and I, I, you know, outside of outside of the government stuff, I would go back, right? Like yeah. just people-wise, culture-wise, but but um, yeah.
1: Yeah, so did they? Your your visa expired? They took it away, and then you ended up back here. Yeah,
2: yeah. So this is one thing I would say that um that you know is maybe a little more overt in China is kind of just the like the the um interplay or dynamic between uh like kind of bosses and employees, right? And and you know, be my experience is an indicative of the original school I was at, they were they were being funny about paying the Chinese teachers, right? Teachers that had been, like, had, like, two, three months or something like that, maybe me longer. Trying to do something similar, myself and one of my friends that were both Americans there teaching. And my, you know, I don't have to be here, right? Like, I, I came to China because I just wanted to experience the culture and uh, travel. Like I said, I, like, I, I actually procured my job before I graduated and they allowed me to a gap year. So like, you know, I knew I had a job coming back home. So long story short, I, I just I ended up leaving the school the first school I was at and they had my visa and I was working on getting, you know, another visa. I had met a friend that had an English um, school there and he was working to give me a visa. And around the same time, like they had a website that they would it would track any foreigners that lost their visa. So you know I would be checking that constantly. And then third, the school supposedly is supposed to tell you, like, whatever employer is supposed to tell you ahead of time before they try to cancel your visa, and they didn't They didn't tell me, and I found out through one of the um, teachers at the school. You know, she was just, you know, being nice and letting me know that they were trying to, they were canceling my visa. So I went to the police department, and they essentially told me that they would not cancel it unless a representative from the school came up there with me, which ended up not being the case, right? But- this, is all, this all happened probably like early November. So then fast forward to the end of, of January, it's Chinese New Year, and where I am geographically, you know, roughly, you can imagine, it's kind of like D.C., Virginia area, right? Okay. So the day I was playing in like 27 or something like that, and, and you know, so, like that. So I went to the South and my, the idea I had was that if my visa, you know, isn't all squared away and there is a problem, like I should find out and I, you know, I'm in the city so I can call somebody and try to get it worked out. Right. You would think. You would think. Right. So I was going from where I was, um, in the city called Weifang, to, um, I, I was going to the south. I think I was going to Foshan maybe, or. Shenzhen, one of the cities in the south. And I had no problems going, but um, I spent maybe a couple weeks down there, and then I planned on going to Macau and Hong Kong. And it was like a – it's a – what do they call it? Two two systems – or no, like two two countries, one system. Some along those lines. But basically, it's like a territory. Um, and I was – Thing that you you imagine is like just any any um airport you know security airport, right just a physical land border it, it wasn't actually you know an airport but whenever I tried to cross the border that's when they they pulled me to the side and and long story short they were like you've overstayed your visa two and a half months hey um and they they held me they detained me for like six hours trying to figure out what they were going to do with me because the penalty was to um to pay, I think at the time it was ten thousand yuan, which was around fifteen hundred dollars U.S. Which I had like just saved up, like maybe 11,000 11, yuan. So I I just had enough money to pay <laughs> it, and and they took me to the ATM, and um, the ATM had a withdrawal limit. So they saw I had the money, but I couldn't take out the money. So they ended up making me sign a piece of paper that essentially said like, you know, you have seventy two hours to cross the border, take the money out, and then come back and, and pay the fine if you want to be able to come back to China and teach and you know get a visa again, right? Yeah. Three days in Macau and and four days in Hong Kong turned into three days in Macau and two weeks in Hong Kong. Oh and I basically just got my stuff out to me in Hong Kong and I just came back stateside from then. So I was supposed to be there for 10 years, not 10 years, 10 months originally.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, But I ended up being there for five. But other than that experience, you know, I I kind of brought that on myself. So I'm not really going to say that that's like the the CCP or anything, (laughs) like, you know, sabotaging me. Um, It was really kind of more just me not wanting to be in a situation at the first school. And like, looking back, I would do exactly the same other than I just wouldn't leave the country. I, I would just save up my money to pay the fine and, you know, just, just, Pay to find and leave, right? Like at the end of the whole trip, yeah. Versus, um, versus trying to go to Macau and Hong Kong. But up to that point, I I really enjoyed my time there. Like it was awesome. The people were, were dope. The food, like you know, just <laughs> the best. Like I I can't do American Chinese food anymore. Like if, <laughs> if I get Chinese food now, I gotta go somewhere. You know, they have Chinese characters, and I, you're hearing people speak Chinese, right? Just because the food is out this world. Like like I. I um I had so many, so many different types of food that, that I liked and and you know was cheap and and good. So I had, I had a really great time when I was over there. Um I, I really can't I can't front on on China at all. Like I, I really enjoyed it. Um and, and yeah, you know, I think I think um I, I wouldn't say I would like see myself living there long term, but I could definitely like I could have been there longer than like a year, right? And like, you know, I could probably like, you know, two, three, three years or so. Um, if the situation played out, you know, differently, you know, I, I see myself being there um, for an extended period of time—not not, not forever—but um, I, you know, I really did enjoy it, and 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 um, I really, I really didn't have any any um, bad run-ins with the law, so you know. Yeah, I know that's where.
1: good. I, right, yeah. right. No, I'm always super curious. I've never even been anywhere near close to the other side of the globe, so whenever somebody says they spend some time there. I always wonder if it's FUD or if it's actually real deal stuff. So, that yeah, that's that's quite the adventure, man. I don't know about being detained for six hours, man. I would have been shitting bricks.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, to be honest with you, like, I don't know. I generally have a pretty, like, I would say I'm a realist, but I have a pretty, like, optimistic outlook on life. Or, or you know, a lot of times I, I think that, that, you know, things happen how they're supposed to, because otherwise they would happen differently. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, or, or, or sorry, so I said it to say that I didn't really, I wasn't really worried. Even you know, look back, I probably should have been more worried than I was. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I don't know if it was kind of my approach, or it's just you know I just got you know being an American, being that I had the money, just a confluence of all of those things that kind of got me off. But yeah. um, yeah, it, it worked out. So it um, it could have been a worse situation. Like I definitely say that, and and you know there was um, it was funny actually. It's kind of sad, actually, you know, thinking about. I don't know what happened to him, but um, there was this. African, um, um, guy that was from some French speaking country. And it was kind of funny that like he was detained too. And they were, um, they were, t- t- they were speaking to both of us in English. Right. But he didn't really understand English, but it was funny because he was looking to me to kind of translate and they were looking to me to translate, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak French and he didn't really speak English. Yeah. It's just like, you know, we we're both black. Right. And, and, and I guess like the different, like he's African actually. So you know um still a world of difference there, yeah, but it was kind of funny, it was just like both sides looking at me like as a, as a translator, I'm just like, uh I tried like you know, I, I was trying to t- trying to relay the message, but yeah, it, it really didn't didn't go over because like I said he didn't really speak English, I didn't speak French, but it was just a, a comical situation other than the fact that I don't really know what happened to him, but uh yeah, but yeah, man, I, um i I can definitely say that 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 it worked out and 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 you know I, I made sure not to tell my folks until after I got out of the situation right like, <laughs> smart move with my mom and everybody and telling them I was okay but kind of telling them the situation um, afterwards but but it uh it all worked out in the end yeah uh you yeah, know i I think that probably you know largely recaps the Chinese experience like yeah yeah i I, w- I would give it a thumbs up overall
1: um yeah i would love to try i mean i I, first of all i've never had the reason to or the opportunity to even go so i I wouldn't turn it down if i did um but yeah like i started the the the, the question where if it's like when i hear about all that cpp stuff and all the like kind of concentration camps and all that stuff it's like damn do i really want to get jammed up in that scenario where i'm stuck over there and some bullshit is going down so i'm glad your time was good there at least and i know it was a little while ago too but
2: yeah yeah and that's kinda of one of the things right is is you really never know with when it comes to i guess public perceptions of, of other places until you go and True. and that's kind of the the catch, maybe a catch twenty two like if <laughs> if the public perception is real like you know then then you don't want to be like you said jammed up in a situation that that is not preferable in a country that you're a foreigner in but i um yeah at the time you know i i just went and and uh it ended up working out. Like, I, I can't, I can't speak to, to where they are now. And like, when like, if it's more or less restrictive, cause I haven't been, and I kind yeah. of fallen out of touch with some people that I met when I was there, yep. like Chinese people and, um, and foreigners. But, um, but yeah, I, I definitely, based on my experience, I would go again if I were able to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not so sure about my legal status, uh, but, but if I could go, I would. And, and, um, you know, Hope, hope, hope for the best, like when it comes to CCP stuff, but, but, um, I didn't really experience any, any, um, I guess discrimination as a foreigner, like to be honest with you, as an American and especially as a black American, like a lot of people really wanted to, to like befriend me. And, and they're like, you know, it's like one of those things that even though I'm, I, I'm not even six feet tall, uh, Everybody kind of has an association with with the NBA, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was, um, like I said, I was teaching English out there, and like some of my kids used to say "hardong," which is like you know, kind of the Chinese like uh, way of saying hardened, right? Just uh. I had a beard, like, <laughs> you know. And and it wasn't. Even, it's probably like not much thicker than it is now, right? So it's not even a James Harden beard. And James has a whole like head of height on me, right? Yeah. So it, it, it's, you know, it literally is just probably the like fact I'm back in American, but, but, um, like it was really cool, man. Like, like everybody was really cool and, and, you know, I, everybody wants to feed you. Like that's something in China, like at least where I was, the, um, culture is very heavy about kind of, you know, sharing food and, and, um, like it's something I didn't expect, but, um, like they are very like heavy social drinkers in China. Oh. But it's a little different in the, in the, to the extent that, like, what you would do a lot of times is you would go out and get food and then just drink a bottle or two amongst friends, right? And it's kind of like <laughs> whoever gets drunk enough to need help to leave, that's when the night's over. Yeah. But that's like, that's like a show of friendship, right? Like, like basically, if if you trust me enough to, to be shit-faced drunk around me, then we're friends, right? So So that's kind of something that I didn't really expect. But um yeah, definitely oh, yeah, a lot a lot of a lot of food and and um it's called by which translates to like white wine. Yeah, but it's actually like it's actually liquid, it's probably like sixty five percent alcohol. Oh right. Shit. So it's what is that, like one um one thirty proof or give or take? Yeah. But that's uh, insane.
1: So that the weed is trash, but the drinking is heavy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Where I was at least, yeah, the drinking was heavy.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's insane. But um yeah.
2: One thing, looking back, um, I, I kind of you know it is what it is, but I wish it would, I were able to do was to do all like the the things you think about when you go to China, right? Like be, like my idea where I was is what they would consider a third tier city. So like by U.S. standards, it's a big city; it was like a million person city, okay. right? But by Chinese standards, that's 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 a third tier. Oh, so nice. so like you know like Beijing, Shanghai being a a, a tier one, and then maybe like a City like Qingdao, if you ever heard of it, be like a tier two.
0: Okay.
2: Um, and Qingdao was like maybe an hour by bullet train from where I was, so I I got I got out to Qingdao once, but um, I never got to I never got to do like any of the things you think about. Like I never was able to go to Beijing or Shanghai. I never was able to see the um terracotta warriors or see like the Great Wall, any of that stuff. Because my, my my plan was to um teach it to like last two months or so and kind of just backpack through the country. And um, you know, just circle back to the city I was in and grab all my stuff and leave. Yeah. Right. But then life happened. So yeah, yeah. you got money and do all that stuff. But uh but no, it, it was still great it was still a great um experience for me and, and like I said, I, I would definitely go back and and if I were able to go back, I would do some of the things I didn't do. Like see visit some of the bigger cities and visit some of the, the more um I guess landmark um sites in China. It's like some of the UNESCO sites and you know, just some of the um, both, both like well-known and just um, like maybe more um, scenic areas of, of China.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's incredible. I, I wish I could see that stuff too. Um, but what I want to naturally segue to is, so you, you were a teacher, you were an English teacher, you were, so that means you were an educator flat out. Is it a coincidence now, if you could let the listeners know a little bit about base 58 before you answer that you're in Bitcoin education?
2: Yeah, so I would kind of just say it's all the confluence of of me trying to manifest essentially what I want to do, right? Like yeah. I, my um job coming out of college was was in consulting, travel consulting, basically. Okay. So like, really not anything related to education. I just taught in, I just taught English in China because that was the way I could get there. Got gotcha. like to be to be honest with you, I was originally I was looking at a program for college graduates in Egypt. Oh. Um, <laughs> originally but like basically the program was more for for people that took like Arabic or Middle Eastern studies, right? So I didn't I didn't do any like of that in college. I just thought the program was cool. So I, you know, I was trying to go for it, but I ended up not getting it and then I made a pivot. And and um you know, luckily luckily man, I one of my Chinese um two teacher, like my second year Chinese teacher in college, looked out. Like I um I had graduated, and like within like two weeks, I got an email from her, and she basically was like, you know, there's this program that I heard about, like you know, that um, you know, help you get out to China, because she knew, like, before I graduated, I told her, you know, I would want to, I would want to go if if I could figure out a way too. So, you know, that was just teaching was my means of traveling. It really right. wasn't something like that. Um, I specifically wanted to do, especially China specifically too. But um, it's kind of just like where life and where life kind of lead, led me to, and, and you know, like ultimately, like I said, I, I think where I was supposed to be at that point in time, but um, didn't really plan for it. And with Base with Fifty Eight, um, it's kind of the same thing. So with Base Fifty Eight, um, it, right now it's myself and my partner Lisa Nigget, um Nifty Nay on Twitter. Lisa is a um, lightning developer. She works on C Lightning for Blockstream. And I first met Lisa less than a year ago, actually, believe it or not. Um, so you know, we are both Houston-based. Um, so shout out Ace Town. Hey. Um, and it so how we met is I went to Bitcoin 2021 in Miami last year. And up to up to this point, um, in Miami, I had largely kind of taken the heroes journey, the solo heroes journey when it comes to Bitcoin, where, you know, I was the most, um, I guess, ideologically aligned person in my life, uh, pretty much largely up to that point, right? Where all my friends and family, I was able to convince some people, but even still, like nobody really has gone as deep down the rabbit hole as I have. Yeah. And when I went to Miami in 2021, I decided to change that, right? So I was just like, you know, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get more involved in in the community in the, in the greater community and kind of just connect with bitcoiners more than I had up to that point. So I went to 2021, and um, you know, it, it met some different people. Like at that at that point in time, I was pursuing a, a job at a um, company that you would know, um, but uh more than likely, I, I would say. But you know, so I went. I, you know, I met I met some of the people that work there, like the CEO and and kind of some of the people that are working there, and people at different companies too, and just just people in general, I should say. Yep. And so I decided to um, to get more involved, and I had heard about bid devs. I knew about bid devs in Austin. I just never been. So the bid devs just so happened to be the week after, or maybe two weeks after Miami. So I went to bid devs. And at BitDevs, I ended, ended up introducing myself to Parker Lewis yep. um, at Unchained, you know, head of business development, for those that don't know. I had known of Parker from his essay series and like that kind of the essay series really crystallized my my understanding of, of like I kind of already had the why Bitcoin, but like that kind of helped me understand the how and how the how contributes to the why. Right. Of kind mm-hmm. of, you know how the, um, 21 million cap is, is reliably enforced essentially. And, and kind of how the incentives play to enable a currency that is out of the purview of of any government, corporation, organization, powerful person, whatever. Right. And, And kind of just how all the, how the technicals, um, contribute to that and how um, all the incentives align to make that possible. And that the case. Yeah. So I just introduced myself to him. And I was just like, you know, just thank you for your essay series. Like I said, it really kind of helped me crystallize my understanding. And you know, Parker being Parker, you know, he was super receptive to it. And he ended up um, informing me that there was a meetup that goes on in Houston. And at this time, this this was I guess, last June. So this was before, you know, right now, the Houston meetup is in a, in a luxury car garage. You know, it, it's super super dope. Probably arguably the one of the, if not the largest, one of the largest Bitcoin events that or meetups that, um, you know, happen regularly um, in the world. If, 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 or in the U.S., if not the world. But um, at this point in time, it was at this place called Holler Brewing which is, um, you know, a a local Bitcoiner couple, you know, started a brewing company. I think, I I think I want to say maybe like four or five years ago. And, um, Al's lacrosse, the organizer or the co-organizer of the, um, Houston meetup was friends with, with, you know, this couple. So I went to the meetup at, um, this, this was under two Oak trees and it was probably no more than 30 people if that. And, um, at that point in time, I had, I had heard of Sea Lightning and I and I was definitely aware of the Lightning Network, but I didn't really know of Lisa, right? Mm-hmm. But some of the people um, that that knew her there, I had met in person the week before at at Austin BitDevs, but I had been following some of them on Twitter for you know a while anyway. So I kind of noticed like the respect that she was getting from people that that at least from a um, perspective of, of you Know their ideas and and you know the things they shared on Twitter. You know, I, I respected their ideas, so so um, you know, kind of she got respect, you know, basically because they because they respected her, like you know, she got respect for me. Um, and then you know, I talked to her, and she was like, Hey, I, I want to start a, a, a weekly meetup here in Houston. She's like, You know, you should come. And like I said, I, I had just decided that I was going to get more involved and kind of for me, you know, I, I kind of feel like in my experience, whenever I'm making the right decision in life, you know, there's certain things that, that kind of help me, tell me take the extra step, right. Or, or, or like, you know, show me the direction that I should continue going in. And that was like one of those moments where I was like, you know, I didn't really know of Lisa. I just met her, but I was like, yeah, like, you know. You you seem to be well respected from you know everybody around that yeah. I'm I'm seeing, and I want to get more involved. So yeah, you know this is perfect. Like this is the perfect timing. So we met up um, at this coffee shop here in Houston, and the first the first meetup was five people. Um, one of my friends that I had met doing a coding boot camp like two years before that I had fallen out of contact with, but he had like just probably within the within like the month hit me up basically asked me about Bitcoin. So I am, I invited him, um, somebody, and then two people, two, two people at least invited okay. one that is local to Houston and one that is, that was, um, just visiting. And, uh, like it's since grown to a core group of, of eight of us. We call ourselves the blackheads, right? <laughs> um, like I said, we, we meet weekly. Um, sometimes, you know, our schedules don't permit. So, um, if we can't meet a person, we'll try to meet on Zoom. And if we can't meet at all, you know, we just pick it up the following week, right? Yep. But, but right now, like I said, it's, it's a core group of eight of us. And, um, you know, we all are, are kind of involved in different ways and to different degrees in the community. But um, a few months in, Lisa kind of just approached me and she was just like, I, you know, I um, have been working on some content and I want to teach some courses. And you know I, I kind of just want to deal with the, with the, the teaching part of it. would you Would you be interested in kind of dealing with more of the the business dev and operations side? and you know by, by this time, man Lisa had had you know just won over all my respect yeah. and, and you know she, she's just a, she's a beast. so I was like, definitely yes, I, I want to do that and, and you know we were kind of, we were just working in the shadows for a little while, and we ended up launching at the end of December so. I had no formal plans to do Bitcoin education and largely right now, like with the content we're teaching, um, we have two main products right now. Um, one is a six course, I mean, sorry, six week Bitcoin transaction protocol course that, you know, gets into the nuts and bolts of how Bitcoin works is programming language agnostic, but it's, very deeply technical right okay so it's essentially for people that want to build on bitcoin so let's say you're a a, um a traditional developer but you want to get into bitcoin space so so this kind of lesson your learning curve you want to get into bitcoin development and and like you know this is kind of maybe a a first a first introduction to you know kind of just really just jumping and jumping in and and you know swimming or maybe you um you work, you like maybe you're on the business side, you're biz dev, but you work very, very um closely with people who are building, right? Like okay. or, or maybe it will behoove you to understand Bitcoin more than just on a surface level of when it comes to like X pubs and and things that, that are still to a certain extent, to a certain degree technical, yeah. but are more conceptual than like it's it's less of like what an X pub is more like how an X pub works. Yeah, is what you would like, maybe the, the content, right? So I'm not a developer. I try to be technical, but I'm not a developer. So like a lot of what's being taught is is even, um, you know, deeper on the technical side than I would feel comfortable teaching at this point in time. So it's largely her that you know, with the protocol, of course. Um, but we also have what we call the Bitcoin node live action role play, right? So <laughs> it's it's kind of it's a, it's a fun um like game physical game that that takes an ephemeral idea which is bitcoin it is real and and um you know it is a is a system that you know has now been what running now for going on 13 years i think um 12 or 13 by matches right um but like with our live action role play you know we you group up in teams you know probably three, three people at least per team is probably the best, um, just with the amount of work that goes into it. Because it's a lot, of, a lot of writing, right? Because essentially what we're trying to do is simulate the Bitcoin network, how transactions are relayed, how they're mined, how they're created, how they're broadcasted, all these aspects of essentially how Bitcoin is moved on the network, right? It's kind of what, what we want to simulate and and teach to people, and it runs the gamut of, of like who can who can do the game like the, the, the um, live action role play yep. or LARP short. We did a we did one recently in Houston. The last one we did um, was in Houston, and I think the youngest kid there might have been like um, eight years old. Or, or, wow. or actually, I'm lying. There was there was a kid there was probably like three. Yeah. But he was kinda of do his own thing. He he was just around, yeah, right? Yeah. But in terms of being engaged, um, the probably youngest was was like eight. But um but you know, you can be a, a Bitcoin new,
0: yeah.
2: Um, or you can even be a core developer. Because before we actually even launched Base with the eight, Lisa um she developed the, the LARP and she did one at Tabcom, the um the Bitcoin the um the Atlanta Bitcoin Conference is what Tab stands for. And um, you guys find that on on YouTube. But that LARP included some different core developers and different people in the space. Yeah. So it's kind of funny the um, you know, like kind of your under your understanding of Bitcoin flavors, kind of how you play the game, right? Yeah. Because if you are new to Bitcoin or you're still learning, you very much try to adhere to the rules that, as we explain them, right? Like, so we – we there are rules to the game that, you know, there are some rules to the game that are, that are um, you know, real real to life. Yep. Like, essentially, that um, our rule in the game is, is kind of the same how the network works, and then there are some rules that aren't, right? Like, you know, just to make the, the actual gameplay work. Yeah, But we explain the things that – whether they are real to life or not, we kind of still explain – the correlation to the way the actual network works. So if you're new and you're still learning the network, you pretty much just like, you're, you're trying to to follow the rules to a letter, right? Yeah. But in, in this experience, like the people who are more um, well-versed in Bitcoin will try to like bend the rules, right? Like, you know, like essentially of the game or, or, or try to, um, you know, just use their knowledge of how the network works in the LARP you know <laughs> and so it's just kind of funny like just kind of different approaches of of, of how people approach the game but um but um car of um Pleb Lab, yep thriller X on, on twitter shout out to Carr. um said that we, we did we we did a lot also in in Austin for the community um and the quote he gave was this is the most fun i've seen that those have together in a, in a long time yeah. right like learning so, so it, it's a lot of fun, and um, so like when it comes to the LARP, I, um, you know, like I said, right to this point, we've done two LARPs under the Base Fifty Eight umbrella, and Lisa has done like two or three herself. Okay. Um, before we launched Base Fifty Eight, so like we're still we're still um, tweaking some things and improving some things from the feedback we receive, but um, you know, I can definitely I, I'm getting to the point where where I can. I can host a lark. Yeah. So, in terms of uh, of like education, in, in that perspective, you know, I, I can kind of get my hands dirty and and um, you know, and I'm not out of my depth. But when it comes to the actual protocol class, like that, that is what Lisa handles. But um, yeah. But to the original question of of did being an educator teaching English in China lead me to Bitcoin education? Yes, but not directly. Right. And, and that was a part of the plan. It kind of it was just me following my my passions and and I'm trying to just figure it out as I go. Right, like right. my passion for travel led me to teaching English in China. My passion for Bitcoin led me to to founding basically with, with you know Nifty Nate. Yeah. So
1: now uh, about so, the LARP real quick does does it require yeah. does it require you you guys to actually host the LARP or is it something that's like you can purchase this instructions and you guys can run your own LARPs.
2: So that's something that we thought about, like how to productize it. Yeah. Right now we're still, we're like like I said, in all, I don't think more than five LARPs have been done, like at, at most five, like I think four, but at most five. Yeah. Um, and two have been done under for the eight umbrella, right? Yep. So I've been involved in two. So we're still tweaking like um, the gameplay. We're improving it. We, um, we use like a bingo ball machine to kind of simulate how the proof of work you know hashing algorithm works okay but um we just recently decided to add and we're we're tweaking um shout out to to this project and um i think ARC, arc btc on twitter but the um ln which stands for lightning network pos system right this is um a pos system that connects to this other project that um, is maintained by ArcBTC that is called Ellen Bits, yep. which is kind of um, a lightning wallet wrapper, maybe you can call it. Um, and, and maybe I'm misspeaking, but the lightning wallet wrapper, to my understanding, it has different features. And um, you can connect this POS system, point of sale um, system, to your lightning node, and accept accept um, invoices or make create invoices from this little system, right? Was, this this and like it was it it was all like we bought it. It was like twenty dollars for the little board. It's like an ESP board, ESP thirty two board that comes packaged with a um, a little screen, probably maybe like two inches by. Or not not even probably like an inch and a half by like one inch or something like that.
0: Yeah
2: um size screen. And then it comes with a little keyboard. And um like so what you know Lisa with her wizardry kind of took the code base, tweaked it a little bit, and and now we've kind of created a simple excuse me, hashing algorithm based on the amount of um bingo balls that you know kind of well you know, based on a certain um, amount of, of guessing, you know, just literally just churning the, the wheel, getting the ball will will like average out to about two minutes or so for every every LARP block to be mined, right? <laughs> which which is basically essentially you find the um balls are essentially the knots in, in like um, in this equation. Yep. So like we're still like I said basically I say also to say that we're still tweaking the game play. So you know just make it more real to real to life and and you know kind of flow a little bit better and can just make it make it more intuitive right and 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 just just basically improve. So we do have the idea to try to um, maybe package it up but it's a lot of, it'd be like a lot of different disparate parts that you know basically in terms of sourcing everything we use for it so it's early days in that, but but that's that is an idea we have, and and we would love to do that. But right now, if um, if you want to run a larp, maybe for a Bitcoin meetup, or like if you're a Bitcoin company, or you're just a regular company, and, and like and you just want to do a fun team building exercise, um, I would say anywhere from like twenty to fifty people is probably like a, a good number of, of people for like to, for the larp, right, where everybody can be engaged and be learning and be involved, right? Because, like, maybe after 50, you start to get to a point where, where um. you know, there might be more people than there is tasks to do. So, like, you know, essentially you can divide up the task and, and have more people. But if, like, kind of to have, be all heads on deck, probably 20 to 50 people is, like, the sweet spot.
1: Yeah. But um, What about, like, families and stuff? Like, I'm always looking for, like, yeah. the kids and stuff. got like I, I got four kids, always looking for clever ways to teach them Bitcoin. Will it work in that
2: nature or... Yeah. So I would say like, it could, it could work in that nature. Um, Definitely just from a, a mechanics perspective, but in terms of like the gameplay, it'll be much like the gameplay much slower. Right. Just because like you, we literally like you have to, it it works similar to how nodes work where you receive transactions, you have to copy those. Right. So like you're literally physically writing down um, information around the transactions and, and, you know, then relaying them to other nodes, and it's it's, it's it's a lot of writing essentially involved with it, right? Yeah. Um. So, gameplay wise, if you just have like just a family of five people, it could work. It just it just would be more of a more of like a um kind of like a, a workshop almost in a game.
0: Right? Yeah, gotcha.
2: So it's like the like when, when I say the sweet spot of like twenty people, you can do less than that, but that's kind of like that helps the game flow itself gotcha. with just all of the things in it. So. It, it would be, it would still be very informative and, and and like you would learn a lot. But it might it, it might be more like work um, with less people than like you know uh, like because part of having more people is you know you relay transactions are getting relayed and it's just like you know it just becomes a little chaotic. Um, but that's part of the fun and part of the learning, right? Because yeah. the Bitcoin network is can be a little chaotic at times, right? Mm-hmm. And and in terms of transactions getting relayed and falling out of the mempool and, and just kind of um, all of the ways that that a, a purely peer-to-peer decentralized system works, you know, is is you know just a, a lot of um, you know, just kind of just incremental um, incremental chaos sometimes, right? Yeah. Like like control chaos, right? So so the control chaos is part of the fun of the game, and I feel like with just five people, you kind of remove some of that because it's literally kind of just like a lot of it, cre- it would create more of a bottleneck of, of all of the um, pa- all the composite parts of the game.
1: Gotcha. Yeah.
2: But it would still be, a, a, a like, a really great learning experience. Yeah, but, like the
1: example of, like, the team yeah, building, it's, that's a good spot.
2: Right. But, like, family reunions, perfect. Oh, nice. Right? Like, you, think know, about you, that. you got a family reunion, you know, if summertime's coming up, you want you want us to pull up and, and do a um, LARP for the family, you know, you can reach us at hello at base58.info.
1: Nice. And you guys are traveling um, out to do those and everything?
2: Yeah, like we um we're willing to travel. Like, you know, obviously that would that would um you know, depending on how far right, you know, right, right. the the travel costs would be calculated into us traveling. But yeah, we're definitely willing to travel, you know, based based on the um, you know, if it makes sense financially. But um
1: Yeah, I can see that. I can see yeah, that we're going in. To travel I can see that going in so many different ways. Like you guys package it up for businesses. You guys package it like you said, family reunions. Maybe you don't give them all the parts, but you kind of like give them the instructions, like you know, and then allow them to source their own parts and get creative and that. And uh, that's very exciting. I actually didn't know going into this conversation about uh, about the LARPing. Uh, I definitely knew about the classes, but that sounds dope, man. I'll Have to check that out.
2: Yeah, no, we we um you know not, not to make an announcement of an announcement, but um <laughs> we got a we got the Houston LARP films. Actually, we got the Austin Lark film too, but um, the um, company, the film, the um, large pair in Houston is called Story Group, and I would hundred percent recommend them. Right? They they do really great work. Like from they do the filming and the editing. Um, and I know I know you do editing too, so you know like check check out check out my boy Jose. Hey. But um, if, if you are local to Houston, and um, you know you, you want somebody to come out and and actually physically um, film you know, an event story group. I, I can't recommend them enough, but, um, they just got back with our, we, we made like a, we got, we got a film that we have like a, like a minute long, you know, ad LARP ad that we got made that we're going to, you know, we got a little, couple of tweaks that we sent back to them. They're working on now, but we'll be releasing soon. So you will kind of get a sense of, of like how the gameplay works and, and you know what to expect. So, I um, you know, I'll make sure to, to, you know, to send you the, the um, link whenever, whenever we get it out there. Yeah. And, um, and you know, you can find it on our Twitter base 58 BTC, um, on Twitter whenever we release it. But, uh, but yeah, man, uh, it's, 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 it's really fun. Like, and, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, you know, kind of just seeing people have so much fun, right. It's it's just like the fun is infectious.
1: Now have you guys seen that people, my fault, what? (laughs)
2: No, sorry, I was saying, and the learning is real.
1: Well, that's what, that's going to be my question. Have you found that people have, like, done the LARP and then kind of have transitioned into the classes just off of curiosity? Have you guys seen any of that?
2: No, like, from the people who have the, the people have done LARP right now, nobody's taking the class, but we do have some people that did the Austin LARP that um, are interested in, the, in one of our classes we're doing right now, right? Okay. We, um, we, um, yeah, we got some interest, so so yeah, we'll see if, if they end up actually signing up, like, we, um, but but they have like you know indicated interest.
1: Nice. Um, yeah, because so, I, I can see where like you know maybe I'm here at the family reunion. I don't know much about Bitcoin. Then I kind of get hooked on Bitcoin, and then the follow up is is well, we can actually elevate your education on Bitcoin, right? And it's like a natural funnel if you think about it. Uh, so that's actually sweet. Right. A no, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: no. No. And, and and you know, ultimately, whichever way we can bring more people in, that's that's we're down for it, right? You know, we 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 just want to. We want to, um, you know, just grow grow the amount of informed Bitcoiners, right? And, mm. and and when we say informed, we mean from a technical from a technical basis, right? Of, of like you know understanding how Bitcoin works. Because for me, you know, there was a time where I I you know thought that blockchain was the innovation, right? And <laughs> and um, and looking back, you know. I understand how I thought that, but I thought that because I was technically illiterate mm. and, and essentially because I was technically illiterate, you know, I could be sold things that aren't true. Right. You know, if, if you, if you don't know geography, I might be able to sell you a, a, a um, oceanfront property in Iowa.
0: Right. <laughs> you
2: know? So it was one of those situations where I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and I got introduced to an idea that I was half right about. Right, it's like, it's like it's like the same problem with gold bugs. Like, you're you're half right in the sense that you diagnose the problem, but the solution that, that you believe might not be right. So it's mm-hmm. like I diagnosed the problem of of government control of money, like you know the need of separating money and state. I was just wrong on solution, which was blockchain, right? And, yeah. and, and like as I got more technical, I understand that the Bitcoin blockchain um, was just one. Composite part that you know is a holistic system, a holistic solution to solving the Byzantine generals problem um, and the double spend problem when it comes to digital currencies. Right? Essentially, how do you, how um, can you verify information, um, you know, that you're that you're receiving from parties that you might not trust, and how do you prevent digital information from being copied? right and, and and the blockchain was one part of that right but one thing i didn't understand at the time to understand now when it comes to blockchains is that essentially they're only they're a pinned only databases right so it's really it's not it's not like a new form of computation like yeah. you know it it, it it really is just um, a very specifically designed database that in most scenarios would not really be the best the best design choice, right? Because you know, because it's a pinned only. Well, it, in the in theory it's a pin only. If it's actually decentralized, um, obviously with in terms of of Ethereum, you know that that's been the case where they, they kind of rolled back things. You know, if you haven't heard of that, look up the um, the DAO D A O in 2016 in Ethereum. But theoretically, blockchains should be um, immutable. Which yeah. essentially just means append only. Like you can, you can only add data. But you know, one thing I've learned since, since I have made a full circle back to Bitcoin is that it's it's crap in, crap out, right? So even even if a blockchain uh, a, a blockchain is immutable, you know, when these all coin blockchains are immutable, um, it still could be it's still crap in, crap out, and yeah. and you know. It is only the immutability of all these blockchains only go as far as as they are decentralized right like if, if there's a central point of control then you can always you can always start rolling back e- even even if it's just recent history you can always roll back but at the point you roll back like that, that's that's a that is you know a forever broken bond right yeah. it's kind of it's the same. Same issue with gold. Whereas theoretically, gold works, but gold was coughed at once. So, what's to stop it from being corrupted again? Right. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I don't remember what I don't remember yeah. what question led to this. Point, but, but, well, I want, being more technically illiterate. Well, it, it, yeah. Now,
1: of, now that you're saying technically illiterate, I actually had a recent argument with somebody, and it's a shameful thing that it actually ends up into an argument. Um, but it was sort of that whole concept where like they were technically illiterate and they were basically, I guess, kind of barraging me for understanding it and calling me a techie. And what I was thinking was is, well, there was a certain point in time where I didn't get none of this shit. Right. So it's right. like I had to actually educate myself in order to get there. And it seems like a lot of people nowadays to try to make up for their shortcomings of not wanting to learn it will easily just throw it on you as like, you're just smarter. That's why you get it.
2: Right. Right. No, and, and I think that's nail in the head, right? Where it's like a lot of times, well I don't say a lot of times, but but in my opinion, at times, people can, you know, get defensive for things that, that they might question, right? Yeah. Or, or or that maybe they know they're not at the level they they even by their own um, estimation should be. So, you know, I agree with you the same here, like, you know, all this stuff I had learned at a certain point, but it's kinda like the same with with being financially literate is like, you know, some people, because they're not financially literate, they might look at you like you think you're better. Um, when really it's just you're more informed and and yeah. you know, to a certain extent, like, I think that, I think that there might be some insecurity there that is coming from a real place. So like, you know, being more informed does give you a competitive advantage, right? So like you, you are at a, you are at a better advantage in terms of, you know, just dealing with the craziness in the world. And and you know trying to trying to find truth in in um, you know maybe in general but specifically in money and the money you choose and opting into Bitcoin you know all of that self education you did led you to this point right? right but like to your to your point sometimes I feel like people can be intimidated or or um, you know defensive about or, or, or reactive whenever whenever they are confronted with excuse me maybe a, a lack of understanding that they have they that otherwise would maybe lead them to a better outcome in their own lives right because mm-hmm. there's there's certain things that there's certain information that you know this really doesn't isn't, isn't applicable right that it's fine to know and if you're interested in it you know by all means go as deep as you want but when it comes to money, that's one of the things like, money and, and numeracy is, is very important to living in a modern society. Mm. Because at the end of the day, we work for, for you know, these tokens, you know, bills, paper, whatever, whatever, whatever you, whatever concept you have of money. Bitcoin for, 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 you know, all the Bitcoiners out there. Like, this is what we work for, right? We, you know, blood, sweat and tears go into waking up every day and and getting at it, and and going out in the world, and trying to create more value and produce more than you consume, right? Because, you know, I I believe there will always be, you know, as long as there's compassion and empathy, there will always be space for philanthropy. But like, you can't have philanthropy without overproduction. Yeah. And and what I mean by overproduction, I don't mean in the sense of production goes to waste. I mean, I mean more production than is reasonably needed at any point in time, right? Yeah. At the end of the day if I'm out here, you know, um, you know, paycheck to paycheck, I don't have the mental capacity potentially. And I definitely don't have the the financial capacity to help others. Right. So that's, that's kind of one of the things I feel like sometimes is short sighted when it comes to, you know, people's just like maybe um, visceral reaction to wealth accumulation is, is ultimately like, you know, virtue signaling of, Virtue signaling in terms of, of like, um, you know, just um, caring for humankind, right, can really only be achieved by by economic surplus. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, I I, I think that, that, that everybody, you know, should, well, not I'm, not I'm not gonna say what people should do. I strive personally to try to help those in my life that I care for that, you know, aren't in the position I am to the extent that it doesn't, you know, um, disadvantage me to a point where, where now I am at, you know, at risk of, of, you know, um, I guess having, you know, an adverse financial impact on on my standard of living or, or my general situation. And, you know, um, I, I think that you know that's essentially you know how humans build bonds are are you know through trust and 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 sharing resources right right so you know but you essentially you have to be you can't you can't you can't share if your cup is run over right like like you know um or or if you are sharing like essentially you're you're sharing what you might need with others which there are times where that's necessary and, and yeah. you know i think i think that that has to be done at times but it's always better to share when you're running over, right? And I, I think that that most people have ideas of wanting to be rich without ever actually taking the time to just like do the basics, right? Of, of like most people want to want to be millionaires, but don't balance their own budgets. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, you might make a hundred thousand dollars, right? And and you know that that is more than the majority of the world makes but there are a lot of people who make hundred K and still live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And, and like a lot there, those type of people reasonably could be millionaires if, you know, the way the game is, is, is set up right now. Like you really can't be, it's really hard to be a millionaire by purely saving, right? That's that's not gonna happen. Like, so you have to, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, invest and, and potentially gamble depending on what you're investing in. Um, uh, I would argue that that you know Bitcoin is is kind of in its own lane. I see Bitcoin more as savings, you know, savings that appreciate um because of the superior monetary qualities that it right. has. But even still when it comes to Bitcoin, before I knew before I knew what Bitcoin was, and before I got to the point I, I am now, essentially there was a certain amount of faith I had to jump out on to invest in it, right? Um so, you know, like, it's, it's, it's messed up that, you know, you can't, really, you can't really save to reach prosperity anymore, you know, pretty much in, in um, anywhere in the world, first, you know, developed countries or developing countries, like it's kind of the same deal, um, where, you know, you largely have to have, you know, have a nest egg that, you know, you inherit, um, have, you know, some investment in, in a good idea or, or just a profitable idea. Or you know kind of choose choose wisely when it comes to investing right like yeah but at the end of the day though to get to that point you have to you have to save more than you spend right and, and most people just don't even keep track of, of how much they spend right like you, if, I, if you ask I feel like if you ask ten people you know on the street on average how much do you think you spend a month um, they probably gonna tell you like a, a, right like they, you know, a reliable number within, like a let's say, even a ten percent, um, you know, margin of error, yeah. right? So it's just if you make one hundred K a year, and let's say, let's say your minimum expenses, after you know, let including taxes, are even seventy five thousand, right? Like we, which might be on the high end, yeah. But it's seventy five thousand. That's just the minimum expenses. But you spend the other twenty five on you know just discretionary things, which is okay. You know, it's your money. Spending how you want. No, I, I'm I'm never I'm not the type that's going to tell anybody how to spend their money, but you know, I, I I would I would argue to them, or not even argue, I I would posit that it's not crazy to me that that you know you are still on the hamster wheel, right? Like you know, yeah. because at the end of the day, you haven't even looked at your own finances to be able to figure out like how you can try to multiply that money, or how you can, or you know, inversely how in bitcoin if you're so inclined and and you know um you know a once in a year, if not millennia um you know type event of of bitcoin being monetized in real time right and you know i i think to come back to the original point a lot of times, like like they say, a, a hit dog will holler, right? You know, mm. at least, what that means is like whenever somebody they're gonna react. So you know, I just try to take the approach of of like it's a source spot for a reason, right? You know, I, I don't know what has led you in you know to this point in your life, but you know, it's a source spot for a reason. So I, I tried like I had a I had a a discussion with you know, somebody that, you know, considers an altcoiner coiner and, and, and believes in the metaverse and, and is actually, you know, in, in investment banking recently. And, um, you know, I kind of just took an approach that, that I made mistakes, you know, Bitcoin is a, is a learning continuum, in my opinion, that luckily enough, kind of similarly to how how the um, <laughs> the price chart looks in, non-logs, in, in non-log scale, the learning is like slow 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 gradually then it gets it gets more sudden yeah. as you get more steeped in bitcoin but you know i, I just kind of think he's still on he's still like on this part of the continuum where it's still slow right like he, yeah. he's further than most people in the sense that similar to me like he understands that there's something there like if you know even even if he's maybe mis- even if he's only half right so you know i kind of take the approach that you know I don't try to be mad at people for them for like what I, I think of them being wrong. Right. Or, or, or maybe misguided. And I could be wrong ultimately too. And that's another why, another reason why I really don't like take the approach of, of like, you know, you're a shit corner and, and, you know, like, even though I understand they have, have, um, um, fun staying poor me, that's really not my approach. Right. Like, like either if you, if, if you approach me in good faith, I love talking about Bitcoin so much that I talk to a shit corner all day as long as they approach me in good faith, right? Yeah. And, and you know, I, I kind of just have the kid gloves on whenever I talk to people. And um, and I just understand that just I was, I was there at a certain point too. And people are, are coming in good faith where something I say will stick. Yeah, but I I understand that at times there are people who are just ideologically stuck in their position, and like for those type of people, you know, I still would never like say to have fun staying poor. I'm that's, I'm just that's just not the type of person. Like I try to be. Um I'm kind of more the type of like I just won't say anything before I say something like I say something like that. But at the same time, like the sentiment is 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 something I agree with. That like yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna convince you right. Like you yeah. know I'm not going to try. And, and I'm not going to worry about the consequences of your actions, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I all I'm going to do is, whenever you want to come back, have a good, good faith discussion, I'll do that. So, you know, it yeah. might be a little long to, like, you know, way of getting around to the point that, you know, you got to meet people where they're at. And, and um, obviously the person you, you were, you were having a discussion with recently, this isn't at a point where where they're receptive to the idea, but you know, unfortunately if they don't learn it, it'll be forced on them. But you know, it's, it's one of those things that I kind of take, I kind of take the, um, or I have the idea that technology in general moves too fast and is too like decentralized generally to the point of, of like invention where like, you know, these things are actually being developed where e- even even if it's like being developed in a lab like I don't have any any say over it right like at the end of the day I you might not agree with crispr I might not agree with crispr technology right yep. but it's, it's happening right and and it is one of those things that I'm not going to put my head in the sand and, and and you know just act like it's not and you know I might have strong opinions about it but I'm also not going to delude myself to think that there are they, they didn't ask me my opinion when they started developing it so they' don't, they don't care about my opinion when they actually make breakthroughs that you know I might not really vibe with but but you know it's still happening right and, and I say that to say that Bitcoin is the same where there are a lot of people in the world that you know whether it's out of you know understandable but partly convoluted ideas of self preservation or it's just like you know they just don't want to be they don't like the fact that they've been wrong or whatever, whatever, or they just don't understand it. Like, you know, none of none of ignorance is, is not is not a shield to what's happened, what's going to happen, you know. And, and once again, we as Bitcoiners could be wrong. Right. But <laughs> I would posit that that we haven't been wrong yet. And there largely for me is not a better option than I see. And I um I believe in Bitcoin not because of the fact that that I woke up one day and I was just like this is this is it. I believe in Bitcoin because like over time, as I have tried to educate myself both technically and financially and even geopolitically, I don't see a better option yeah and I don't see and, and more important than a and, and like, maybe not. A, and when I say a better option, I don't even mean like for the globe. I mean for me specifically, myself. Like, yeah. like, like me being a Bitcoin is pure self preservation in my mind, right? Like, the fact that I can make friends along the way and possibly, you know, build my own arc, you know, in, in a microcosm of, of um, you know, the, the, the greater Bitcoin network pie. Then maybe I can, you know, I um, can make sure that, that like I said, myself and my loved ones are are, are okay, you know, or, or as well equipped to deal with the uncertainty of the future as possible, you know. But, you know, I I don't take the approach like that that Bitcoin, you know, I'm not Bitcoin for the philanthropic aspect of it, right? That 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 is just a that is just the cherry on top, right. right? Like the fact that I can't help people with cherry on top, but Bitcoin is a solution that I see for myself and, and that's how I approach it. And I've just gotten to the point in, in my Bitcoin journey that I feel like I have um, done enough self-education where I can, you know, start to look out and kind of project some of the things that I've learned and, um, you know, kind of just use, use my very small voice you know, to come on podcasts like yourself, I right? you know, and thank you for inviting
1: me because this is the first podcast, I,
2: Bitcoin No, this first podcast I've been on period. Hey, like, podcast. So nice, man. so you
1: know, appreciate you. Um,
2: yeah, man. Yeah. No, no, same here. Like, well, what I, I was gonna
1: yeah. say the uh, the financial shortcomings, man. I mean, you probably around my age or whatever. I blame on on Puffy, man. Puffy was telling us, man, we got to buy the shiny suit, man. I saw him and Mace on the screen showing the Rollies and stuff, and I didn't know what to do with my money as soon as I got it. I was ready to get that rolly even though I couldn't afford it.
2: <laughs> hey, man. And, and, and that's one of the things, like, at the end of the day, it's easy to fall in those traps. And, and I feel like that that is why, ultimately, social media is so toxic at times. Is, and, you know, I, like, I haven't, like, read a lot of studies on this, but, I, but I've anecdotally heard that a lot of the... Um, the most like discontent in personal in people's personal lives come from, or or like are largely in countries that have large wealth gaps. Yeah. Right. For Sure. And the idea behind that is, is that at the end of the day, like if we're all struggling, you know, there's no envy in that because we're all just trying to, we're all just trying to just out here get it. Right. And, 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 you know, and at times when there's a lack of resources and everybody's struggling, that can, that can be, that can lead to animosity and strife and violence in one way, you know, because of the fact it's just pure competition. Right. But you know, it's not. It's, it's like if everybody's struggling, it's not going to lead to envy, because everybody's struggling, right? Um, so in countries with with large wealth gaps, whenever you see the wealth gap, you know, it's just like a, you know, especially whenever you really can't explain why why these people have so much more money than you have, like when you get up every day and you work hard like you know that creates a bit of you know cognitive dissonance in people i feel like at times yeah and and you start you start wanting to emulate these things even if you can't afford it right um but but you know that's that's just you know at the end of the day like i'm not gonna blame puffy like you know for self-interest either because at the end of the day even even if i think he's wrong for promoting these ideas like he has the money to he has the money where you know, he can buy this stuff and still be all right. Right. Yeah. And, and and unfortunately or fortunately for him, he makes money off of promoting this type of stuff, right? Like, at the end of the day, a lot of a lot of hip hop culture is about flashiness. Yeah. Right. Just because at the end of the day, it's like, for better or for worse, all this all these things are like trophies, right? Like like for people that, that never had anything, to, to go from having nothing to ten million dollars, a hundred million dollars, like flaunting it is part of like, you know, for some people part of the fun. Like if I made all this money, like shit, I'm gonna show it off because I made it. Like this this is is my trophy, right? Like, so I'm, I'm not gonna hold him accountable for, for glorifying, you know, trophies. But, you know, I do think that, that it would be nice if these same people that glorify trophies also say that like, I also have the means to have this trophy right. and you know, until you actually have the means, like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this type of stuff. Right. But once again, like, I don't think, I don't think that that's their place. Oh no, sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't, they, I, it could be their place. Yeah. I don't think this is their responsibility, right? Like like right. I, I'm, I'm I'm of the opinion that, you know, people shouldn't idolize celebrities as much as they do because they're just people too, right? right? And ultimately if, I like for me, Growing up, my mom never like, you know, she was she was a single mom. Um and and you know, she 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 worked hard and, and, and made sure I had what I needed, but like I she never really was the time to buy me J's and shit. Like yeah. that, that was never like she was just like, you know, like I she would buy me shoes that I liked. Um but you know, like <laughs> yeah, <the> two hundred dollars <laughs> shoes every 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 month, like a new J comes out, a new a new, you know, retro Jordan comes out, that, that just was never the thing, right? Yeah. So like I, I, I'm at the point now, like I still don't own any Jordans, right? Like I just that that's not I'm at the point like, you know, growing up that never was something that I was I was privy to to have. Like and, and even when I, even when I like started making my own money, I didn't really spend it on, on Jays. Um but but um, you know, once again I have friends that, that are opposite, right? Like, you know, they, they you know, they're sneakerheads and, and they make sure they know the next drop. Yeah. Which which is all well and good if you can afford it, right? But right. but for me, it's just like you know, I I want the t- like you know, I'm not I'm nowhere near this point at yet, like you know, like um, you know, I, I, I'm gonna just keep on grinding, you know, uh, until I die or I reach this point. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I I, I want to have the type of money where you know I don't have to worry ab- about about you know the rest of my life right you know yeah. and, and with inflation who's to say with that with that that's, that's a moving target but like basically I, I want enough money where I can I reasonably say that if I didn't make any more money for us for the rest of my life I'm okay right yeah. so for me getting to that point like in pursuit of that of that dream or, or not even a dream in pursuit of that goal I weigh $200 shoes right like, like okay this is $200 shoes and I'm, I'm not gonna say that, like you know, I'm not gonna say that I just buy like Walmart shoes, right? I'm, I'm not that type either, right? I, yeah. I'm not about just to buy like I still buy shoes that I like, but like I I might buy like some Vans, right? Like you know, at the end of the day, you know, I might I think that Jordans look better, like, but Vans still look nice to me, right? Yeah. Like And and you know, um, so it's like sixty dollar Vans or seventy dollar Vans, eighty dollar Vans, whatever whatever they are now, versus two hundred fifty dollar J's, like that difference like can put in Bitcoin. Right. That difference I I can I can put towards educating myself to maybe get a higher paying job. Right. You know, I I can put that money towards a down payment to get a lower interest rate on the house. Right. You know, at the end of the day, it. You know, nickel and diming won't won't make you rich, but it can help you invest in things that can help you, you know, um, maybe take, you know, instead of you can take a leap that instead of it's one step up, there's like maybe four steps up, right? right? And, and you start daisy-chaining enough of those leaps together, and, and then, you you know, you are at a much higher level than you would otherwise have expected or known you would be at, um. you know, just through good choices, right? Like, they, right. It's, there's a book that my, my little brother put me on called The Compound Effect, The Compounding Effect.
0: Yeah. Um, one
2: one of the two. Yeah, and, and essentially, um, the idea, idea there is is just like the same the same way that um compound interest works right you know like the like i don't i don't know if it was albert einstein but somebody said the compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world yeah but essentially it, it's just like it 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 becomes exponential at a certain point right like it, it's linear until it's not yeah and and that's and when it comes to, to like you know self improvement whenever if, if you can stay down and and stay dedicated long enough to Reach the point where it goes from linear to exponential, then you won, right? Like, like you know, and, and as long as you can stay, you can stay consistent because now you can get greater gains for the same amount of effort, right? Yeah. Maybe even less effort, and if if you and and if you get good at it, you can put in more effort, and now and now you can you can even expand upon the exponential gain, right? So you know, I uh, I just think it's like. It's just all mental framing, right? And and and, you know, like I would never look at you sideways for one in the role, right? Because you know, at the end of the day, it like everything is preference, right? No, nobody, nobody wants money just to have it, right? Unless unless you're unless you're um um Scrooge McDuck, right? (laughs) Like
1: even he had gold coins.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, He had gold coins at least, right? He he didn't have Bitcoin. Like he he at (laughs) least swimming, Um, but. At the same time, though, like, I feel like people have just been divorced from money as a tool, right? They kind of just see money as, as something you use on a day-to-day basis to buy what you want or need.
1: Damn, we're frying the Wi-Fi with all that knowledge, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll edit that part out. Um, either way, I'm about to lose battery and all that. We should do a round two of this at some point in time and then probably get some better established stuff. Um, but I do want to please let the, the listeners know base 58, where to find you guys, where to get more information. And then if it's cool with you off the, off the mic here, I want to set up a, a round two of this because what, what you're giving here to the listeners, especially on talking in bits, which, you know, I, I think is, you know, of the culture and speaking to the culture is that stuff that we were missing when we were growing up. Um, so please yeah. Stacks, let, let them know where you can find you for now until we schedule this round two.
2: Oh, uh, good. So you can find myself on Twitter at Stackamoto, S-T-A-K-A-M-O-T-O-21. Um, if you want to reach out to me personally, Stackamoto at Base58.info um, is my email you can reach me. If you want to um, get in contact with my co-founder, um, Lisa Nigget, um her Twitter is nifty NiftyNy, N-I-F-T-Y-N-E-I, and... Um, Her email is lisa at base58.info. If you just want to generally just hit uh, base58, once again, hello at base58.info. And if you want to follow base58 on Twitter, it is base58, B-A-S-E, 5-8, um, B-T-C on Twitter. So that's where you can find us. And, uh, you know, we'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in the course, we'd love to have you. If you're interested in the LARP. We'd love to do one for you. So, you know, just reach out and, and, you know, if anything I said today, you know, struck a chord with you, just hit me up. And, and you know, I, I'm always down to talk when it comes about Bitcoin and self-improvement. So, you know, it, it's all love and, and um, you know, thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so many gems in this episode that, you know, once again, we, we got to do a round two here, man. This is just incredible Thank stuff. You. But yeah, I'll guys, check us out on Bitcoin TV. Uh, we don't want to promote any of those shitty algorithms. We are on YouTube and all that, but don't go over there. Let's go to Bitcoin TV and support Bitcoin only products. Uh, you can check us out on Fountain app and stream us value for value. Therefore, we never have ads on this show. That's exactly how that works. Uh, you can check us out yeah. on Breeze as well. Uh, but we appreciate you guys, as always, Stack. Appreciate you, good sir. Thanks for coming sir, thank on. Thank you. And you all? Yeah, anytime. Let's do it again.
2: We look forward to the next
1: one. Yeah, let's do it again for sure. Take care, guys. We'll see you all next week's episode. Later.